You're listening to As Read By Me, the podcast where writers read and readers listen. Greetings and welcome to our second annual Super Creepy Halloween episode. I'm Dave Stiles and I'll be your trick-or-treat buddy for the night. First, we're going to stop by the old grunt for a repeat visit to one of my favorite poems of all time, Horror Story by Paul Camerata. And then Rich Hosick tells us the story of Harrison Hardigan, who had a dickens of a time getting some peace and quiet one Halloween night. Ready, gang? Let's go. Hi, I'm Paul Camerata, and this is Horror Story, as read by me. To be more than a monster was once one man's dream, a revitalized man who loved coffee and cream. He baked the best quiches, award-winning scones, but spoke in a way that scared folks to their bones. From this predicament would eventually grow Frankenstein's Grunt, Café and Bistro. At the start, he was famous just for being undead, until the owner gained a claim for his monkey bread. The imported Arabicas, organic chais, all roused his patrons like bolts from the sky. Still, not all the walk-ins were ready to see a Frankenstein monster serving them tea. Some shrieked while others turned pale as a ghost, no matter how nice the greetings of the host. And yes, when he said hi, was how it sounded. But their fears of violence were totally unfounded. Frankenstein's grunt was a symbol of the passion this exhumed barista had in him for dashing. The walls of the cage the world put him in, the moment it spotted his recycled skin. So on Frankenstein pressed, serving French pressed for breakfast, building the grunt into one of the best cafes and bistros you could ever try. Have no fear that you hear is just him saying hi. Hello, this is Rich Hosek. I hope you enjoy my Halloween tale, Tricked, as read by me. Harrison Hardigan hated Halloween. He hated the parade of costume brats ringing his doorbell, the proliferation of skeletons and spiders and tombstones in his neighbor's yards, the ubiquity of pumpkin spice-flavored everything everywhere he went. To be honest, that had more to do with Thanksgiving, which he also hated, but the plague of cinnamon, nutmeg, and allspice, it seemed, was starting earlier and earlier every year. Tomorrow was the cursed day. He had considered getting a hotel room or just taking a long drive somewhere else, but he was not going to be driven from his home just because of the commercialized observation of some pagan celebration. No, he would stand his ground. Let those trick-or-treaters come begging for candy and other treats. They'd get nothing from him. And if they were foolish enough to think a trick was an appropriate response, his garden hose was at the ready. Harrison turned out the lights and climbed into his bed. It was a particularly cold late October. But would that stop the sniveling little beggars from traipsing up and down his front steps, their tiny feet thumping across his porch? They would just throw winter coats over their costumes, so only their masks were visible. It made the whole ritual even more ridiculous. A strong wind howled outside his window. Maybe there would be a thunderstorm tomorrow. It wouldn't stop them, he knew, but it might slow them down a bit. He smiled at the prospect of a storm literally dumping cold water on their insipid plans as he closed his eyes, ready for sleep. Oh, Harrison, a female voice whispered in the dark. 
Why does Halloween bother you so? Harrison's eyes sprung open, searching the dark for the source of the voice. Who's there? A shimmering shape took form at the foot of his bed, a woman who appeared translucent. She was older, a bit heavy, with thin hair flowing loosely over her shoulders. She was wearing an old stained housecoat. Hello, Harrison, she said in a soothing voice. Who are you? he asked. It's me, Beatrice, she replied. Beatrice? Beatrice Kaminsky. Harrison sat up, scrutinizing her diaphanous features. Does it ring a bell? he said. From school, she prompted. He leaned closer and squinted at her. No, sorry. Can you be more specific? Beatrice rolled her eyes in frustration. You took me to the fall harvest dance at Bedford Falls High School. Harrison looked the apparition up and down, trying to connect the woman to his fifty-year-old memories. B, he said with a hint of recognition. You really let yourself go. I'm not here to date you, she said. I'm here to warn you. Warn me? You must mend your ways. You must embrace Halloween in the spirit in which it should be appreciated, as an affirmation of life. Why? Harrison asked. Why? Beatrice asked back. What difference does it make? Well, the path you're on will only lead to isolation and unhappiness. But I like being alone, Harrison asserted. I hate people. They're so annoying. If I could afford to buy my neighbors' houses and demolish them, I would. Beatrice appeared flummoxed. Do not dismiss my warning, she admonished. You will only have this one chance to redeem yourself. There will be three spirits who will visit you. Listen to them. Learn from what they show you. Wait a minute, Harrison interrupted. Is this like a Christmas carol thing? What? This sounds a lot like the whole Ebenezer Scrooge story. Three spirits will visit you over three nights, blah, blah, blah. No, this is nothing like that. This is about Halloween, not Christmas. Yes, yes, but aside from that, basically the same thing, right? Beatrice paused. She sighed then nodded her agreement. Yes, it's basically the same thing. But that doesn't mean you should... Why you? Harrison asked. Excuse me? Beatrice asked back. Well, I haven't seen you in over half a century, he said. As I recall, we broke up after that dance. You were flirting with Kevin Spassky. Isn't there someone more relevant to my life that should be giving me this warning? Beatrice looked behind her as if consulting some committee of ghosts in charge of such things. No, she replied. Well... No one that wanted to come see you. So why did you volunteer? I was bored, Beatrice confessed. And now, so am I, Harrison said. He settled back into bed and closed his eyes. But I haven't finished the warning. The spirits, when they arrive, you must... Listen to what they say, change my fate, yada yada. Good night, he said with an air of finality. Beatrice shrugged and faded away. Harrison awoke the next day with a faint recollection of his encounter with the geriatric version of his high school sweetheart in the back of his mind. He did some chores around his house, then settled down in front of his television with a TV dinner and a beer to watch C-SPAN. They seemed to be the only programming among the hundreds of channels on his cable service that wasn't centered around Halloween. It was around three o'clock when his doorbell rang. Harrison ignored it. Most of the time, after ten seconds or so, they would just give up and go away. But this little goblin rang the bell a second time. And when Harrison ignored that attempt, it rang a third and fourth time. 
Harrison rose out of his easy chair and shuffled over to the front door. He opened it, ready to unleash a tirade about private property. Listen, you little... But there was no one there. He stepped out on his porch and looked up and down the street, but there was no one in sight. He scratched the bald spot on the crown of his head and turned the head back into his house and came face to face with a skeleton standing in his doorway. Not a costume kid in a black bodysuit with bones painted on it. It was a full-on human skeleton, hanging in the air, with a lit cigar clenched in its teeth. What the hell? Harrison exclaimed. The skeleton raised a hand to grip the cigar. Its tip glowed as smoke was drawn into the skull and expelled through the empty eye sockets. Hey, Harrison, shall we get started? Started on what? I was under the impression you got the standard warning last night that I was coming. I'm your first spirit. Ringing any bells? Harrison thought back to the odd experience from the previous night that was hanging onto the edge of his consciousness. That was just a dream, he insisted. Do I look like a dream? the skeleton asked. Well, frankly, yes, Harrison replied. Granted, that's a valid interpretation, the skeleton conceded. But most people think I was more of a bad acid trip. I don't do drugs. Of course not. Well, this is kind of what it would be like. Come on, let's get going. I have big plans later tonight, dancing around the cemetery with some friends. Go where? The skeleton reached out with a bony hand and placed it on Harrison's shoulder. Suddenly, they were standing on the sidewalk of a city street, where densely packed bungalows stood shoulder to shoulder, with only a narrow passage between them. Throngs of costumed children ran up and down the sidewalk from door to door, chanting, Trick or treat! to the delight of the grinning homeowners. There was one boy who walked alone. He was dressed as a clown and clearly not happy about it. Harrison realized the street they were on was the one he grew up on, and the boy standing in front of him was himself. He had wanted to dress up as a devil. There was a costume at the Woolworths he had coveted for weeks, and in the end, his mother had decided he was going to be a clown, recycling a costume his older brother had worn years earlier. He trudged up the steps to a nearby house, rang the bell, then held open the pillowcase he was using to collect candy in. A smiling housewife opened the door. Well, hello there, she said. Is there something you wanted to say? Harrison remembered resenting having to utter those vapid words. He never understood that part of the ritual. Reluctantly, he said in a low voice, Trick or treat. A little girl in a princess costume peeked out from behind the woman. The woman dropped a single Hershey's kiss into the boy's sack. What's your name? she asked. Harrison, the boy replied. What kind of name is that? the little girl asked. No, your first name, the woman said. It is my first name, the boy insisted. The girl laughed at him. He has his names backwards. The boy turned and walked away, continued down the sidewalk toward Harrison and the skeleton. That's a cool costume, the boy said to the skeleton. Is he supposed to be able to see us? Harrison asked his bony guide. No, we should be invisible, the skeleton said, scratching his skull with the phalanges. Harrison reached out and poked the boy with his finger, pushing the kid back a few inches. Shouldn't be able to do that either, the skeleton confirmed. Don't worry, kid, Harrison said to his younger self. You'll have the coolest name in school when Star Wars comes out. What's Star Wars? the boy asked. You'll see, Harrison said. The boy sighed and ambled off to the next house. Harrison knew he would visit every home in the neighborhood that night, gathering as much candy as he could. Then, a few months later, after the other kids had depleted their own supplies, he would start selling it off for a nickel apiece at school, and buy himself a disappointing pair of x-ray specs from the back of the comic book. 
Harrison turned to the skeleton. So what was I supposed to learn from that? He asked. The skeleton shrugged. I don't know. It's one of those you'll note when you see it kind of situations. It doesn't raise any sad memories from your childhood? Any regrets? Lost opportunities? Nope, Harrison replied, unmoved by the experience. Well, I'm sure it'll come to you. He reached out again and placed his bony hand on Harrison's shoulder. Nothing happened. You're not very good at this, Harrison remarked. This has never happened before, the skeleton claimed. Yeah, well, while we're stuck in the 60s, do you mind if I buy some IBM stock? The skeleton tried the opposite hand on Harrison's other shoulder. Again, nothing happened. Maybe you need to say something, too, Harrison suggested. The skeleton took a step back, balled one hand into a solid knot of bones, and struck Harrison square on the jaw. He awoke sitting in his easy chair. Some political analyst was droning on about the Federal Reserve on C-SPAN. It was dark outside. He checked his watch. It was only about four o'clock. He looked out his front window and saw that the reason it was so dark was that black storm clouds filled the sky, lit up occasionally by distant flashes of lightning. Unlike the dream from the previous night, his little daymare was fresh in his mind. He picked up the can of beer he had been drinking and inspected the best buy date. The doorbell rang. What the hell? Harrison exclaimed. Despite the oncoming storm, it appeared there were still little beggars hopeful to fill up their sacks with candy before it started to rain in earnest. Harrison didn't wait for the costumed extortionists to ring again. He rose from his chair and strode toward the front door, throwing it open, ready to castigate the unaware little hobgoblins. But the words never made it past his chapped lips. Hanging in the air in front of him was a giant bee. Well, Harrison said, confused. I didn't see this coming. The bee buzzed. Okay, are you part of this whole Christmas Carol Halloween crossover? Or are you an independent random hallucination? He asked. The bee buzzed again. You know, I don't speak bee, so you're going to have to give me something other than just this meaningless buzzing. The bee rose a bit, its wings fluttering madly as it bent its body so that its stinger was pointed directly at Harrison. Hey, watch out with that thing. I'm allergic. The bee stung him right in the middle of his chest. But instead of a sharp pain, followed by a swelling of his entire body and inability to breathe, Harrison found himself at a Halloween costume party. He was dressed as Winnie the Pooh. Next to him was a young woman wearing a sexy bee costume. Why didn't you just show up that way in the first place? I like to do the sting. It's kind of my thing, Bee Girl replied. Whatever. Where are we? Harrison asked, bored and anxious to get through this Dickensian hell he seemed to be stuck in. You don't recognize these people? No, they're all wearing costumes, Harrison replied. Oh, right, Bee Girl replied. She scanned the guests to find someone Harrison might be able to identify. There was a woman wearing a Hogwarts cloak with a Ravenclaw scarf. Certainly you know who that is, Bee Girl said, pointing at the woman. Harrison followed her finger toward the Harry Potter fan. Laura, he said. She works at my office. Well, my old office. I'm retired now. I know, Bee Girl said. If you hadn't taken that early retirement package, you would be at this party right now. I don't think so. I don't do parties. Well, if you were the boss, you kind of would have to be. Boss? Yes. Laura took your job when you left, then was promoted to branch manager the following year. Huh, Harrison said. Because she participates in the company culture, attends branch outings, remembers people's birthdays. Yeah, that sounds like Laura. Nice to see she made manager. She always talked about that, whether you wanted her to or not. Beagle looked at Harrison. 
Aren't you filled with regret that your dislike for Halloween ultimately led to you not fulfilling your true potential? Harrison shrugged. Not really. I'm not a people person. I was able to parlay that payout they gave me into a fixed annuity. Got a pretty sweet deal. B-Girl sighed, frustrated. Seriously? No lesson learned here at all? Harrison shook his head. He spied a platter of stuffed dates at a nearby table. Ooh, I love those, he said, reaching for the hors d'oeuvres. His hand passed right through them. Great. Now it works the way it's supposed to. You know, you don't deserve this chance to change your life, B-Girl said. Never asked for it, Harrison replied. Are we done here? B-Girl transformed back into a giant flying bee and jammed her stinger into his chest. Harrison awoke in his easy chair. He rubbed at his chest where he could still feel the sting of his most recent visitor. Ah, oh, jeez, whatever happened to the ghosts who were just sheets with two eye holes? He wondered aloud. The doorbell rang. Harrison rolled up out of his chair and shuffled toward the door. Coming, he said. Keep your pants on, or whatever it is you're wearing. He opened the door. Standing on the porch as it started to rain was a man in a Batman costume. Well, not really an official Batman suit. It was obviously some unlicensed ripoff. Harrison Hardigan, he said in an imitation of Christian Bale's version of a superhero. I am the spirit of Halloween yet to come. Right, got it, Harrison said. Let me save you some time. No matter what you show me, I'm not going to embrace Halloween. I just don't like it. I don't like the themes, the excuses for kids who extort their neighbors for candy, adults who use it as an opportunity to wear wildly inappropriate or sexualized costumes. I just don't get it. Never will. Don't want to. So, thanks for the effort, but I'm going to go back to my chair and watch C-SPAN. He closed the door on the dime store superhero and turned around to head back to his chair. The doorbell rang again. He opened the door. Listen, really, you can stop with the whole... But there was no one there to talk to. The ghost had disappeared. Harrison leaned out to peek up and down the street, but the spirit of Halloween yet to come had gone. Lightning lit up the horizon, and a clap of thunder rolled in a second later. I'm never drinking your old beer again, Harrison promised himself. Then there was a sound that was wholly unexpected. Boo! said a small voice from below. The shout surprised Harrison. He looked down and saw a small child in a classic ghost costume, simply a sheet with two eye holes cut into it. The old man stumbled backwards, tripping over the area rug at his feet just inside the door, and fell heavily banging his head on the corner of the small table where he kept his keys and unopened mail. The impact indented his skull deeply and turned his head in such a way as to twist his neck in just the right way to snap his spinal cord, killing him instantly. It took a moment for Harrison to realize what he was looking at. He looked so unnatural with his body facing one way and his head another. But there was his dead body, laying lifeless at his feet. That's what I came here to warn you about, the fake Batman said. Harrison looked over and saw the ghost standing next to him. If you would just let me finish. Yeah, well, I was always stubborn like that. Tell me about it, the ghost Batman said. The young kid in the ghost costume walked tentatively up to Harrison's body. Are you all right, mister? he asked. No, kid, can't you see my head is halfway twisted off? Harrison replied. The child evidently heard him, because he ran out of the house screaming and kept on running down the street until he was out of sight. I didn't think you would be able to hear me, Harrison said to Ghost Batman. You shouldn't have. Things have been wonky all night, though, the ghost explained. Well, what's next? You know, the afterlife. 
It's not too bad if you can find something to do. Any recommendations? Harrison asked. Well, there is an opening if you're interested. Our ghost of Halloween present quit tonight. Thanks for joining us. If you liked Rich's story, I've got good news. There's plenty more where that came from. You can listen to all of Rich's amazing stories on the Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs Fiction podcast. It's available on all podcast platforms and Audible. And to find out more about our podcast, you can always visit asreadbyme.com. If you're a writer and would like to read your work on our show, send an email to writers at asreadbyme.com. And if you like what we're doing and would like to help us avoid the scary proposition of commercials, consider making a donation by going to patreon.com slash asreadbyme. Hope you have a safe and happy Halloween.